Witches. I'm your friendly neighborhood witchy redhead, Lolo. Hello, I am Imaris. I am your, I almost said celestial tree hugger again, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to go by a descriptor that Lolo actually shared to me, and it was um, your Snow White of the Supernatural. And uh, I think it's because everything random kind of happens to me. So. <laughs> You're always an attractor for the weird shit. You love it, though. It's okay. It <laughs> keeps you entertained. I have to hear about it every day. No, you want <laughs> to hear about it every day. It's different. <laughs> so today... We're going to be talking about the Rampart Street murder that happened in New Orleans, in Louisiana. Um, we didn't expect to do another Louisiana-based podcast, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, we did. What do you mean? You're the one who picked this story. Yeah, I was because... I was planning on doing something else that happened not here, but... You, you know what's funny? Um, I picked it for reasons that, like, I thought <coughs> it was going to be about, but then I did, like, a deep dive, and it ended up being something, like, totally out of left wing, and I did not expect it. Yeah, so fair warning. There's going to be kind of, like, two different stories. I'm going to tell the very basic press version of the story, and Emrys is going to tell the actual story. That takes a completely different turn than what the press has. All right. <laughs> so, I'm very nervous. I have my suspicions, but I didn't look too much into this because this is going to be Emerson's story. And um, <sighs> I'm nervous. <laughs> She's not ready. She When I told her that I went on a deep dive and that everything she thought she knew was not how it happened... She was not ready. So she's just going to find out just the same as all of you through this podcast and as we're uh, recording it now. And uh, hopefully our audio is, you know, better this time. I will say that. Uh, I'm not using my AirPods again. Um, I'm going to film this the way I did the intro, which is without just like open mic. So hopefully it's a lot clearer. I'll say that. Well, we'll find out. Maybe yeah. this is all trash and we have to redo the whole thing. Who knows? Probably. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> all right, let's get into this story so I can have my mind blown. <laughs> yeah. So, this story takes place around 2006, I believe. Um, it happened right after Hurricane Katrina. If you don't know what Hurricane Katrina was, it was a gigantic hurricane that almost wiped out all of New Orleans. It was a Category um, 5, right? Yeah, it was bad. A lot of people uh, had to relocate to different parts of the city, uh, different parts of the state, my bad. Um, there was a lot of homeless people, and it was it was really bad. Um, I think it was one of the only Category 5s we've had in a long time here in Louisiana. Uh, wasn't Rita a Category 5? I don't remember. Oh. I really don't remember. He's like, every hurricane's just a rainstorm. It's fine. Listen, this last, this is like getting off topic, but this last year, we have had at least like six hurricanes land in Louisiana. It was awful. Sounds and so, like, I we did have power for like two weeks, and it was in the middle of summer. It was awful. 
Um, anyways, back on track. <laughs> um, so the two main people in this story um, are Addie Hall and Zach Brown. So they met and fell in love, essentially, um, right around the time that Katrina happened. Um, and in 2006, they moved into an apartment um, right above the Voodoo Spiritual Temple that is no longer there, I believe, or it has relocated to a different part. Um, they um, had lived there made friends, started working as bartenders in the French Quarter and all that stuff. Um, they looked on the outside like a very, very happy couple, um, but it was, that was really not the case. Uh, right after moving to North Rampart, they started having really, really bad fights. Most of the time, they were both really, really intoxicated. Um, every fight from reports, apparently, have uh, were getting more and more violent. And it was... It was not good. <laughs> um, Addie ended up stop showing... She stopped showing up to her job at, the, at a really popular bar. And Zach fell into drugs and even more he heavy drinking and um he even started cheating on Addie a lot um they moved into a new home and right after that um Zach had ended up committing suicide by jumping from a, a hotel in New Orleans he had left um a note and a key to his apartment and um the note said and I quote, this is not an accident. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, and a full signed confession for myself, Zach Brown. So, um, they got to the apartment. It was probably one of the worst crime scenes they've ever seen. They concluded that Zach had become like really enraged after Addie had um, signed their lease without including him on it. And um, she did that because she believed that Zach was cheating and didn't want to continue to, and she didn't want to continue to live with him. Um, Zach had then strangled Addie and spent like a week cutting up her body and she, he had planned on eating her cooking and eating her but he couldn't go through with it and um after that i believe the apartment that they were staying in um was destroyed by an electrical fire and the buddha temple that they lived above had to be relocated to another part of rampart street and after that, after the electrical fire, when everything was rebuilt, people started reporting of hauntings, like voices being watched, and like the apartment itself was just pressing in on them. So I will let Emrys take control and go on to the second part.
Okay, so this is actually the story that no one really knows about. Um, and I'll say that I like that because it's not the main story. Even though it's the true story, it's not the main one that surfaces around. And I will say his name is actually Zach Bowen. It's not Zach Brown. Uh, as much as we love the band, Zach Brown Band. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of them in my life. Are you serious? You don't know about the fried chicken and his toes in the sand? That's crazy. No. <laughs> I used to love Zach Brown growing up. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I was a huge fan. And I can still vibe to his, his, his tunes. Um, but I will say that... Um, didn't you say, like, they relocated the temple or whatnot? Yeah. They relocated yeah. to another part of Rampart Street. In 2018 is actually when the electrical fire had happened. It was very random. Uh, they had no idea where it was coming from. Um, it oh, was. I have, I have 2016. Oh, I have 2018. And I got that because um, there was an interview. That, um, and that is where I got that from. And it was in 2018 from what I'm aware. Um, and it was a really random electrical fire. Uh, and it actually burned down the temple, but it actually was being rebuilt. Um, and I think it's still in that same apartment. And the same, like, oven and fridge that he used is also still there. Oh, my God. Yeah, you didn't know that? It's crazy. Yeah, all of that's that there. disgusting. The I original, never. The original is still there. Okay. So... I don't know how to... <laughs> okay, I will say a little disclaimer for the story. Um, there are speakings of, like, children being killed. Oh! <laughs> Great! <laughs> you were not prepared for that, were you? No! Um, there is actually... Um, a, I get a little descriptive with how Addie was killed. Um, oh, okay. I will say that. Um, I will also say that there is a lot of drinking in this, uh, or mentions of drinking and alcohol abuse in this. Um, but I will also debunk um, some of the things that she has said and such. Okay? So that is our disclaimer, and hopefully you guys enjoy. I will say it's not going to be as actively chaotic but it's going to be gradually chaotic so do like bear with me it does come to a full circle um and there's actually people that play a part that you guys probably have never heard of so we're just going to go ahead and get into it okay so the main person we'll be hearing about and who the story kind of centers around isn't actually Addie. it's a man by the name of zach bowen now, Zach, growing up, he didn't understand social cues. And during his high school years, he was known to be the classic clown or someone who tried to... Oh, goodness. Or someone who tried to be... But he didn't understand the matters of a time and place sort of circumstance. And was always apologizing. Apparently, that was something that was big with Zach. Is even into his adult years, he was always constantly apologizing. He felt like a failure. Uh, he felt like every action he took, it was always the wrong action. Um, and at just three months of age, him and his parents decided to move constantly from place to place, nearly never settling. Uh, his parents considered to be living the hippie dream. Meanwhile, the two of them were on polar opposite spectrums. 
his mother in touch with the current reality, whereas his father, Jack, constantly drinking and going out, uh, living the idea the way he sought reality should be. This ultimately is what broke the camel's back, and at four years of age, Zach's parents separated. Okay, uh, I and I am reading some notes. I did take a lot of notes. That is what I'm reading off of if it sounds a little structured and or stagnant, or if I pause, that is where it comes from. At one point in time, Zach told his mother he wanted to go live with his father. Mind you, Jack didn't pose himself to be a, a proper father, and but when Zach and Jack were together, they constantly traveled, eventually ending up in New Orleans. Zach becomes a bartender in New Orleans despite being underage around 18. But mind you, it was Bourbon Street, you know, I think like what, early 2000s? Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, people didn't really pay attention. Um, they didn't care. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't really care. It's Louisiana. No one cares about the drinking age here. We have drive through daiquiri places, okay? It's. <laughs> well, this, so you'll, what I will say before I continue forward, you'll notice a pattern. So um, I do say to keep an eye out and an ear out for these patterns because they do come full circle whenever, you know, he meets Addie. Okay. So during this job of being a bartender, he starts to understand how to properly speak to people. And allegedly he is catching the attention of a group of females he happens to be serving. Now in this group of females, there's a girl who has her eyes on Zach. However, Zach notices her friend who's 10 years older than him. And she goes by the name of Lana. However, uh, she isn't interested, but Zach ensues to try and pursue her and has her write her number down and such. Now, there is a side note. Uh, allegedly, Lana comes from a very different background where she essentially grew up with everything Zach didn't uh, until her father got laid off and she ended up becoming a stripper in Texas. Not for any other reasons than to make money to always be able to take care of herself. So Lana comes from a very specific headset that she's going to do whatever she has to do to take care of herself. And if it doesn't benefit her in one aspect or another, another she will drop it. Okay. Uh, eventually, some way, somehow, Zach and Lana hook up. Now, whenever Lana goes back to Texas to, you know, do what she does, Zach begins to be a little overbearing. Constantly calling her, wanting her to come back to New Orleans, and she figures she'll go back, but only when she has a job lined up. That way, you know, if whatever between her and Zach doesn't add up, she's not wasting her time and she's still making money. Only when she comes back does she find out Zach is only 18. She was ready to leave, you know, and doesn't, but then she turns up pregnant. Oh my god. Zach finds out and writes a letter to his mother about the pregnancy telling his mother he regrets meeting Lana, how he's told Lana he's too young and how he didn't want this kid, and when this kid is born, he won't be in any way a father to this kid. And the letter then ending to ask for his mother to support him. So already we're at some significance. First, you know, Lana didn't want any part of him, and then he still goes for it. Uh, eventually they hook up and she turns up pregnant and now he wants nothing to do with her and he regrets ever meeting her. So Lana oh. tells... What? This is already a lot. <laughs> oh, we're not even at the peak yet. We're not oh, even at the peak. Remember when I texted you that like I down a rabbit hole and I haven't even hit the iceberg yet, like the tip of it? <sighs> we're significantly a little ways away. Oh, Lord. So be prepared, guys. Okay. 
Lana tells Zach he can leave. You know, Zach never knew when his son was born until he reached two weeks of age. Suddenly, he wants to be a father and brings the kids everywhere, including the bars Zach was in. So Zach, in turn, became a lot like his father with drinking and partying. And mind you, Zach, at this time, he's working a second job as well, but I cannot recall for the life of me what, you know, second job this is. I just know at the point he's working two jobs trying to support um, Lana and his kid. Um, but he ends the day drinking, partying, and Lana wants no part. So Zach proposes, proposes. The wedding was outside in Jackson Square, and then Zach went to the military. His first assignment was overseas in Germany. Now, mind you, I will say this first and foremost. Lana had every opportunity to go with him, and literally the only thing that she needed to do was sign the papers and the paperwork to, to go with him, and she just didn't. I don't know why, but she just straight up didn't sign them. And so uh, he went off to Germany by himself. Now, he gets first assigned to Kosovo. I think that's how you pronounce it, Kosovo. Do not ask me how to pronounce it. I apparently don't know English, so it's okay. (laughs) Um, It's fine. His position there, though, is he's a gunner on the back of a truck. Now, he befriends a little girl in Kosovo, and just because she spoke to him, she was murdered. Now, Zach ends up going on leave and in turn flies home just to have Zach and Lana argue and fight 24-7 until Zach ends up taking her with him to Germany. So what this means is basically um, he, I think it was something called like hammer toe or where like your, your toes are they have so much built up cartilage and such because maybe your shoes don't fit. Um, And he used that as an excuse to go to and see Lana who was complaining about how she misses her husband um, and that sort of ordeal. And they were constantly fighting when he got home. And so he decided, you know what, I'm just going to sign the paperwork and you're going to come with me and you'll be there. (laughs) Yeah. That that's essentially what happened. So he signed the paperwork for her and he turned it in, and then they went off to Germany. So in 2002, Zach gets stationed as one of the first squads in Iraq, specifically Baghdad. Now, Baghdad is very a hostile area, I'll say, and at least at this point in time, um, specifically in this war zone. Um, and he ended up losing one of his best military friends. Um, at the same time, he had another one of his friends get hit with a bomb and uh, their arm essentially got blown off. They still lives, but uh, another one that was very widely known into the squad was killed. Hmm. Um, and before he was even time to process, he becomes friends with another little boy. And once again, because he spoke to Zach, the little boy and his entire family were killed. So in the midst of this, Lana falls sick with hep C, or hepatitis C. Oh my God. So Zach purposely fails several PT tests to A, go home to see his wife, and B, to get kicked out of the military for good. He's thinking, if I can get kicked out of the military, you know, I can actually go home, see my family. I don't have to, because he's really hating the war right now. You know, he just had, you know, two little kids killed in front of him just because, you know, they spoke to him. And he just had two of his friends, one of them severely injured, one of them killed. And 
he's the wars you know going on and he's really hating it um now the military they did um provide a sort of like health plan for his wife to help her get better um but I get at one point like they did let him go see her but he ended up using up his days and then they would not like he had to go back out into battle and they wouldn't let him uh go back to see her anymore so this was a big reason why he wanted to leave because they wouldn't let him Mm-hmm. If you fail your PT test a certain number of times, they'll just kick you out. So, here is a plot twist, though. Despite you know him doing it for her, Lana does is totally unaware that he's trying to leave the military. And when she finds out that he left the military, he left, and she was so mad she ended up leaving the kids with him. Oh my god! Oh god! This is she was cheating, wasn't she? Uh, no, actually. Really? That's shocking. Really? So, here. Hey, you were not even halfway there, so get ready for it. Oh, Jesus. Okay. This is actually where Addie enters um, the story. And here, she's actually not a bartender. She is a waitress in the French Quarter. Um, then here's a little bit of backstory about Addie. I'll get into it just shortly after this. They're not just working at any bar. Uh, allegedly, this is actually a gay bar. And her co-worker or the bartender turned out to be Zach. Addie had a history of being aggressive verbally, almost homophobic uh, when she was upset because at the time she lived with two gay guys. Uh, she was also, she also has a history of abusive relationships where she was beaten so badly because she caught them um, watching gay porn. So mm. basically her ex-boyfriend uh, I guess was exploring, you know, his sexuality or whatever, or he just liked watching this particular thing. Um, and when she caught him, she confronted him. And because she confronted him and she caught him, he significantly beat her. So whenever she would get upset towards her roommates as she, you know, that were gay and they were openly about it. She would call them the F word and make sure that they knew that's what they were. Um, wow. Yes. So, How did they not kick her out? <laughs> I do not know. Um, but this actually does come, come full swing. So that is an important thing that you need to know about this. Here's actually, if you want to bring back what happened with Lana and how they met, here's actually how Addie and Zach met. Okay. Addie doesn't like Zach. And Zach pursues her to such an extent that they kick Zach out of the bar when he's not working. So eventually, like Lana, Addie and Zach got together. They both drank and they partied together. And actually, they had a really good time together because, you know, Zach, he had a history of partying. He really liked to party. Lana didn't as much. She really didn't approve of it. You know, Addie really enjoyed it. Um, And at this point, 2005, Hurricane Katrina was hitting and instead of evacuating, the, they stayed in New Orleans and stocked up on alcohol. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, meanwhile, his wife and his kids are in Atlanta with no way to contact their father or knowing, knowing if they're alive. Okay. So, here's kind of where things start to have a, a decline. When the military came to New Orleans, Zach verbalized that he didn't feel comfortable seeing them, and he started being triggered with PTSD that was undiagnosed. 
So at the end of the hurricane, Katrina, the aspect of responsibility to his kids started coming back and that his kids needed him. And Lana actually had her own boyfriend at the time. Uh, but when she heard about where he was living with Lana or living, Lana took a baseball bat to the house. Uh, but the only person there was Addie who refused to open the door. So I asked well, she did. What? I said, well. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of that part kind of confused me. It's because like she had her own boyfriend, you know, she was doing her own thing. Uh, as to why he felt the need to go as far as taking a baseball bat to the house, I have no idea why. Um, but I mean, no- maybe she was like, oh, so you're the bitch who's been keeping my children's father away. I don't know. I mean, no, because she significantly left. And mind you, uh, I did say she left him with the kids. I don't know how she ended up getting the kids back. Um, but as of right now, you know, the kids are with their mother. Hmm. This is a lot. <laughs> See? We're not there yet either. Okay. Um, Zach finds out about this, and he meets with Lana and lets her know that she can't do that. Obviously. <laughs> and Addie had brought up the idea of being a stepmom. So now Addie and Lana have to meet. So because it's well, they have to meet because obviously the kids that will be around is Zach's kids. Now, here's a little bit of a plot twist. Because when going to meet Lana, Addie didn't get out of the car. Allegedly, Addie didn't know that they were going to meet Lana, let alone be someone's stepmother. Addie actually didn't let the kids into their apartment. So when Zach had the kids, he had to go to a hotel. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's bad on two accounts. One, because... Uh, it's theorized that Zach actually lied to Addie about, um, or lied to Addie about where they were going and lied to Lana about her wanting to be a stepmother. Um, and it's bad also for the fact that she didn't allow the kids into the apartment. Now, Addie got worse with her drinking right around this time and essentially taking everything out on Zach. Addie actually got arrested for pointing a gun and then Zach finally gets arrested because he got arrested for the first time. Because, mind you, like, uh, against everything that has happened, you know, Zach always had a clean slate to go back. So now he doesn't have that. He arrested. I don't actually know why he gets arrested, but I do know he does get arrested. Okay. So their friends begin telling them, like, they needed to break up. And one night they had a big fight and Addie kicked Zach out. Mind you, he's 28 now. He can't afford to take care of his kids. He can't afford an apartment. can't get a real job because he left the military. Apparently, that's a significant thing that happens, like, when you leave the military um, and you don't actually get dispatched or, like, discharged from it, like, properly or on note. There's something that, I don't know, I didn't know about this, and I'm not going to pretend like I do know about it, but for some reason, him leaving not on good terms caused him to not be able to get a good job because, I guess, of reputation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and Addie, at one point, went through Zach's phone. And she found out he cheated on her with a guy. Mm. So, okay. flashback to, you know, her roommates, the history, you know, her old boyfriend. And she remembers the last time her ex-boyfriend found out that she knew about him having relations with a guy, how bad she was beaten. So she kicked him out again. And at this point, Zach is homeless, living under a bridge. Now, Zach goes to try and get his life back together, going against friends' wishes, tries to get an apartment with Addie. And they were to sign a lease together, but Addie goes without him. So legally, she owns the apartment. 
Zach goes there, and on day one, in front of the landlord, Addie says, I caught my boyfriend cheating on me with a man. So Zach, and mind you, this is in front of the landlord, and landlord's like, who did I just sell? He's probably like, okay, uh, is it too late to serve them an eviction notice? <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> yeah, so essentially, that was essentially the case. Um, the landlord was like, who did I just hand the keys to? Um he was probably no, no, no. like, oh, God, give him back. Yeah, something along those lines. Now, here, here, here's where things kind of take another turn. Not necessarily for the good. Are you ready for it? I guess. <laughs> so, Zach goes to talk to Addie. And they go out, they drink, they come back to the apartment and have an argument. And on October 5th, 2006, he kills her. Cat. Yeah. Here's here's is gonna get a little detailed, so heads up. For two weeks after the fact, he gets drunk on end, wants to party with his friends. He's paying. He it says that uh he's paying for his pain essentially. Mm -hmm. So his friends ask where Eddie is, and he tells them that she packed up and went to North Carolina. And this actually is super fitting because she's been saying that she's gonna go back. To North Carolina, she wants to go back, so on and so forth. Uh, he calls his family one last time, and he gets rejected once again. And then he goes back to heavily drinking. And then one night, he goes to the Omni Hotel, where he jumps off the fifth floor. Now, he was found in the parking deck, and they were they call the police. Obviously, they find the note in his pocket, telling them it wasn't an accident. Where to find his dismembered body of his girlfriend? And now in his front pocket were keys to the gate and to call someone by a particular name who I cannot remember for the life of me to let them in. Now, cops went in and they see writing on the wall saying how he's a total failure and how he loves his wife. And supposedly there was a five page confession of how he murdered her, starting with how he first strangled her. Now, it's rumored he violated her corpse several times before passing out next to it. But it also has been said that the cops adamantly denied that. Oh, my God. Um, it says that afterwards, he went to work, came back, brought her body to the bathtub, where he dismembered her body with a hacksaw and a knife. And afterwards, he meticulously cleaned the bathroom. Jesus. I'll let that sink in for a second. It's getting a little worse. Mm, you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Now, during examination of Zach's body, it was confirmed that Zach did not consume Addie, but his body was covered in cigarette burns. And in his confession letter, he wrote that he burned himself once for each year he had been a failure. His letter also stated that he had scared himself because he was able to calmly strangle someone he thought to love, and then afterwards having no remorse for doing it. So now when the cops entered the apartment, it's noted that, they, noted that they walked into the house and it being very cold, specifically about 60 degrees Fahrenheit, whereas it was like high 80s, 90s outside. Mm -hmm. okay. So when they walk in, the first thing that they see, obviously, is the walls, but they also see how there's arrows pointing to the oven, like gigantic arrows pointing to the oven. Um, there's a note that I have on this, actually, and it's thought that because, like, Growing up since Zach was a class clown, he wanted validation, he wanted attention, and no one really understood why there were so many arrows pointing to the oven if he had wrote in his uh, confession and his suicide note 
um, where she was, they think that the Arabs were, were placed there for further attention, hmm. even after he passed away. So here's where it gets a little brutal. Uh, the arrows were pointing to the oven, and in one of the pots on the stove, Addie's head, the second pot, her hands and her feet, her arms and her legs were in the oven, and her torso was in the fridge. Oh my god. They also found Addie's journal, and instructions from Zach to call his wife, and uh, instructions from (laughs) Zach to call his wife, the cops called Lana. She asked if he was dead, and the cops told her he killed himself. And she got in contact with his parents and such, and word spreads of what happened, and she feels guilty because she's like, um, like, this is the last thing that happened to him. I kicked him out, you know, we got into an argument uh, every time. Like, he left the military for me, and I scolded him essentially for that, you know? Like, she, she's blaming herself right now. Mm-hmm. So Lana meets with the psychiatrist, and... The psychiatrist, I don't know what she's thinking, but she needs to find a new occupation because she tells her that she needs to tell the full story of what happened to Zach to their kids. Upon doing so, the kids and the daughter starts drawing father jumping off the hotel. Oh, my God. How old are the kids? The kids are, I want to say, no more than like four or eight. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Now I hope she's not practicing anymore. Like, what the fuck? You don't tell a four-year-old that shit. Yeah. So, it gets a little, a little worse. Because just around the time, you know, that the kids find out this, there's rumors, actually, and headlines being spread. Um, so, actually, Zach didn't take part in any cannibalism. That was actually one of the many rumors that had false headlines to have spread about their deaths, along with tales of voodoo and shirts being sold with the lines of no loving like your girl's head in the oven. Oh, okay. So the kids are, you know, they just got told the story. Now everything they're seeing is this, and it's it's kind of crazy, uh, kind of being very lightly way of putting it. It's insane. Um so now the woman who purchased the apartment where Zach and Addie lived goes by the name of Bloody Mary. Have you heard of her? Oh, gosh. Have you heard of her? No. So she's said to have a reputable background and a good reputation. And mind you, she claims, and I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently uh, I'm going to go with it. She is one of the high priestess in uh, Haitian voodoo. And she, by tradition, is called the Voodoo Queen um, in New Orleans. Now, to the extent of how much of that is true, I'm I'm not going to claim that it is because obvious reasons. Uh, But that is what's been reported from what I'm aware of. It kind of comes with a twist because I have watched um, kind of like a documentary films. And there have been people that tried to go to film, you know, the tour and make, you know, whatever reports. She has allegedly told them to take off the cameras and then told them off camera that they can go ahead and film, but they're going to tell them the story that she wants to tell them. Now, she is allegedly the one who pushes the notions of their deaths being part of voodoo and demonic hauntings. Now, Hmm. how true that is, I'm totally unsure. But some think it's because she runs tours of the house and tells them or tells you about the demonic happenings and such. 
So now there are apartment has been above a voodoo temple, but it's said that the two don't actually correlate considering Zach and Addie didn't practice voodoo. Mm-hmm. So that is the end of my notes. Um, but I will say that's kind of where like the, you know, the burning of the apartment, not burning of the apartment, burning of the uh, temple comes into play and the reconstruction of it in 2018 and all the jazz. Um, what do you think? How do you feel? Well, I will say on the part about the voodoo priestess saying that voodoo and demonic related, they said that the temple that they lived above was a voodoo temple that was full of positive energy and stuff like that. It was nothing demonic. Yep. It was all good vibes and all that. And so I don't see how that could have happened. And, you know, there's, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but to add on to that, there have been uh, reports and, like, factualizing said that the temple said that they would never allow such, like, a malicious spirit to, Mm -hmm. or energy to be a part of that. So they're considered two separate beings, um, both the temple and the apartment and the happenings of that. Mm -hmm. The only way I could possibly see that happening is if one of them tried to, like, I don't know, summon a evil voodoo spirit to hurt the other one or something, and it just went totally wrong. But even then, like, I don't... Mm, that's They as in, like, Zach and Addie? Yeah. Well, they actually didn't take part in voodoo. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, it, if they didn't take part, I don't... She's probably just doing it for shits and giggles, I guess. Yeah, and for further, like, you know, um, people to come in for her tour, because it's essentially become a sort of a tourist trap um sadly but truthfully. yeah i'm not surprised um i don't i didn't really look into the hauntings too much because the story in itself is just like so packed and when you told me there was a bunch of other stuff i was like okay then i'm not gonna be too concerned about hauntings because it's probably gonna be more about murder and i was right <laughs> um not only that but Honestly, I don't know how truthful um, hauntings are in this scenario because it's not what anyone thought. He wasn't some deranged uh, man in the same light that, you know, people portrayed him as. He was someone who had PTSD. He he was someone who, I guess, just didn't know how to handle socialism. Not socialism. That is not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just, like, social aspects from day one, you know? Um, and every turn he took he got rejected or he was a failure in some way from when he was out on the base and uh you know the children even got killed because they were just speaking to him or his friends getting blown up or uh you know his wife leaving him several times and then Addie leaving him several times and then he was homeless under a bridge I guess at one point or another it constantly adds up and I think what really took it was he went to call his wife that one last time, and his wife still rejected him. And I think if she hadn't in that moment, or she, you know, tried to find solace in it, he wouldn't necessarily have made the decision that he made to jump off the cliff. I don't know. Even then, I feel like he would have found a way to end it all because... He did just kill Addie, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would have been super, super heavy on his conscience, and even if she didn't reject him, he probably still would have done it. It probably would have been a call to be, like, a last I love you kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that was a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
to put it lightly. I had my it, suspicion. Um, I was thinking like satanic sacrificial ritual kind of shit. Because that always ends up being the case. <laughs> now I will say um, that there have been some reports. I don't know exactly what they found on the stove. I just know that they, it was enough for them to distinguish what was what and what was not. That they didn't for a fact automatically know that it was Addie aside from the confessions and the notes. But they had um, skin grafts and samples of her tattoos. And that's why she, they were able to know that it was her for sure. Um, DNA and otherwise. But there was a report, and I don't know where this is coming from, if it was news or otherwise, um, that it was being, like, actively cooked. Um, not necessarily for eating and nothing like that. It was just a way to dispose of her body. And I don't, I don't know, because it, there's not, there's a lot that was documented that's not shared, but at the same time, there was a lot that wasn't documented, and I'm still wondering about it. Because I know that a lot of people do that to dispose of bodies. They, like, chop it up or blend it or cook it down to, like, a sludge, and then they dispose of it in the pipes. You know what that reminds me of? And I don't even mean to take a side note, but I totally intend it. Um, There was actually this report of um, this guy, and he was... Wait, I think you listened to this with me, didn't you? Possibly. where he was in a relationship, or not even a relationship, he there was this underage guy that was at a bar, and he wanted to get a drink, but he couldn't because he was underage. And he, told he took him kid. home. He took him yeah. home, and he like made love to his dead body after he killed him, and then he put him in the floorboards and stuff. Yeah, I know what you're talking. And about. And then he took him out. He gave him a bath, and eventually he put him in the pipes. Yeah. And so the plumber's the one who found out about it. Yeah. Yeah, they do that a lot. That's really unsanitary they shouldn't do that that's gonna come back around to their water (laughs) well that's why that's how they found out that he was killing people people were reporting of like brown stuff coming out of it and then when they called the plumbers out they like dug around in the pipes and stuff and they said it looked like raw meat like ground meat with teeth in it and i was like "Mm, yum (laughs) <laughs> no, don't tack on up to that. That's <laughs> but as a side note and kind of towards a closing, because again, once again, and it's a trend for ours, and I feel like this is just going to be a notable happening for us, is where we don't ever talk about how to end our podcast. But I we do just kind of wing it. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the whole thing, you know. Um, but I will say that um, our blog is up. And we will have pictures on, um, I I won't say the notes, but maybe like a quotation of the notes uh, that he wrote. Um, pictures of the oven that, that's actually still there. Um, and there's pictures of Zach and Lena and Zach and Addie. There's two, there's only one picture ever recorded of Zach and Lena. And I have that picture. And then there's a picture that's, uh, went viral because of the interview uh, that was done between Zach and Addie whenever they were in New Orleans. Um, so those two will be also on the blog. Um, in addition to that, I will say that we're actually thinking um, of making like enamel pins with our little cosmically cozy ordeal. I know that Google Podcasts is actually releasing um, a subscribed version of it where you'll have like access to uh, almost like members 
things. So I figured if we ever pick up um, listeners or something of the sort, we'll be able to um, start incorporating those things if you guys are wanting those. That makes sense? Or interested or... Because I'm all about merch. I love designing merch. Well, I kind of wanted to start small with some enamel pins, but I love the idea of having a hoodie because I would totally walk around with a hoodie that says Cosmically Cozy on it. With so would I. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a little ghost drink. You know, or because, like, I opened up our intro with Leafy Babies. Uh, we <laughs> spoke about this before, like a little leaf and then has a little witch hat on it and then is holding a cup of coffee. Maybe the leaf is in a diaper. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say to our audience? Um, check out the blog at Cosmically Cozy. Check out our Twitter at Cosmically Cozy. And check out our Instagram at Cosmically Cozy. <laughs> Basically, if you put in Google, Cosmically Cozy will pop up. <laughs> yes. Um, I post really aesthetic stuff on the Instagram. So... <laughs> And I will probably almost always do a sneak peek of the next episode on my Instagram stories. So honestly, what I what I've caught myself mostly posting on Twitter is that if we catch voices in our audio, um, I'll just count how many I catch and to see if you can find more. Um, <laughs> because it's like that now. Yeah, apparently every time we get on here and we record some shit, there's spooky stuff happening in the background. Whether it's a ghosty thing or not. Yeah, and I feel like I've kind of debunked the first two voices that I heard. Um, but the third one, the hello, there's a hello in there. And I don't know what to make of that. Like, at all. It, I, I have no idea what to make of that. <laughs> it, it's definitely a female voice, I will say that. But I feel like I can debunk the other two because... Uh, in recording our first episode, there was a weird little dip in the audio where I go to introduce myself, and the audio is super quiet, so I try to amplify it, and it might have distorted some of, like, Lolo's, um, like, audio or speaking points, but I will say that hello literally is totally out of left wing. I have no idea where that came from. Wasn't there another one that was, like, run? Yeah, that one. That one's there, too, but, like... Part of me really wants to debunk that because I don't want to believe that that's that's the scenario. I don't want to believe that that's coming from either of our phones, but, you know. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This it's is fine. fine. I'm going to focus on the hello. So <laughs> It's feminine. She's there. She's saying hi. We just got little spooks all around. It's fine. Everything's Which, you know, fine. I vibe with it. It's okay. <laughs> I might seem a little spooked, but it's okay. That's Everything what spooky happens to you. Yeah, Snow White is a supernatural. When I when I told her about the Snow White bit, I was like, honestly, you could like text me one day and be like, I befriended a vengeful dragon spirit that wants to take over the world. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Little do you know, I've had nightmares about some dragons, right? Oh my god, <laughs> of course you have, of course you have. Is there anything that you haven't had an experience with? You've probably met the Tooth Fairy in your dreams. Like, I don't know. Listen, I hope I never meet the Tooth Fairy in my dreams. I feel like there's a very, uh, not even spooky, just, like, 
horrific is how I would describe it. A horrific sort of viewpoint from her. And I, I, she, she'd be stealing my teeth from my mouth. What do you mean? She's probably covered in teeth. She probably puts them on her skin. Oh, my God. I need you to <laughs> calm down. Oh, my God. What if she's just a mouth? A flying mouth? A flying mouth that she just collects teeth. So does she eat them and they just end up in air? Or do they, like, she eats them and then... They They're inside of her. Just... Where? If there's only a mouth. If she is the mouth, she eats them and they become the mouth. So they become the teeth. So that'd be like a gigantic mouth. Yeah. Can you imagine a mouth that takes up your entire room with little tiny baby wings? <laughs> what if it's just a floating mouth that doesn't have to have wings? No, it's only right if it has little wings. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wish you guys a spooky afternoon, evening, and our night, depending on where you are listening. Uh, I actually appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. We are still learning um, how to go about these episodes, these recordings, but for right now, we're just kind of having fun with it and seeing how it goes. We will eventually get better, but this is kind of just for funsies, so. Yeah. <laughs> all right everyone y'all have a good one and we will see y'all next episode all guys stay spooky Bye. bye